The Gunners are gunning for the title while City win at the bridge but can't bridge the gap up front. Chelsea are splashing the cash but could their season be derailed by the loss of Sterling? Rash defending continues to cost Liverpool dearly but there's just no defending rash as United are flying. Kane and Son blank and fire in consecutive games but with Spurs inconsistency you have to ask yourself can they or Conte make a run for the top 4? All this and a lot more in episode 25 of the Talkie Taka podcast. Good evening audience. We catch up with you after two game weeks of Premier League football and one week of FA Cup football. It feels like a lot has happened since we last met. It's only been a week though. So let me come straight to you. RK, what was your talkie moment of the week? Hey guys, good evening. Uh, it's been a fairly a good week for United with good results. Uh, all those Turner tests are up to come. Uh, my talkie moment of the week, Raza, is the man in form, red hot form is uh, Mar- uh, like Marcus Rashford. He uh, took the punishment that he got, uh, which seems so long back already, against Wolves in the first half. Uh, with the real right attitude, uh, it, uh, like the way that he reacted to it, had a vibrant second half, got a smashing Winner against Wolves where he received a 1-2 from Bruno and then danced into the box, passed challenges and scored. Uh, in addition to that, he's had a great week, uh, even otherwise, and a great time in general since the World Cup, which we'll talk more about. But yeah, that's my talking moment of the week. That's right. And RK will spend some time convincing everybody how Manchester United are not favourites for the top four. But we'll get to that in some time. Ashwin, how was your week? What are your talking moments? Hey guys, hey Radha. Uh, uh, RK took my talking moment, but I think uh, I'll probably talk about something off-field. Uh, it seems like a lot of ex-Real Madrid players are on the verge of retirement or are retiring. So, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, as we know, joined uh, the Saudi club Al Nasser. Uh, and it was heavily covered on social media. And uh, it seems that, well, at least what uh, the Saudi camp is claiming is that he got more views than the World Cup final itself which I found a bit baffling, but uh, with Cristiano, you never know. And then um, and then talking about the other Real Madrid or ex-Real Madrid player, Gareth Bale, just retired, uh, announced his retirement today. Uh, I know he has been subject to a lot of trolls himself, but uh, his time at Real Madrid and even the time at Spurs, I think he, he terrorized a lot of defenses. So, uh, yeah, best of luck, uh, Gareth Bale, and enjoy the golf. Yep, champion player, real legend. Went tamely out at the end, perhaps, but a real champion of a player. Uh, I'm looking forward to some some more clips from Saudi Arabia of that guy from the World Cup. Maybe when Ronaldo scores his first goal, where is Messi? Hopefully, we get to see that. Uh, my talkie moment of the week, and it was slim pickings for me, but I'm going to go for Wout Faiz's, uh double action against Liverpool. He was our top scorer of the week with three games that Liverpool played. Uh, Leicester City's Woutfest scored a double for us with two own goals and gave us the only win that we got this week in a really, really terrible game in a really, really terrible week. So that's my talkie moment of the week and let's come to the man of the moment next. Ab, what was your talkie moment of this great week that you've had? Great week in quotes, I hope. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> there's a lot to talk about and dissect with regard to Chelsea. I'm going to... Uh, pick not one moment. I'm going to say it's the fact that Chelsea have nearly an entire first team injured. Um, 
not an excuse for some of the performances we've been seeing. We'll talk more about that, but I think we are one central defender away from having a full, very strong 11, injured 11. Yep, on the note of Chelsea's injury problems and unavailability, we have a Chelsea man missing ourselves. Swag misses out with some illness at home. Uh, hopefully, he'll recover in time for next week, though. You can't say the same about a lot of the Chelsea players. But let's get, get right to the game. The games, rather. The double header against Man City. Ab, what were your thoughts? Yesterday was not a good day for you. Yeah, um, you know, prior to both of these games, I expected we'll do better in the cup. And get hammered in the league. You know, of course, the league game was at Stamford Bridge. The cup game was at Etihad. But um, uh, maybe we'll talk about the league game first, right? Uh, I think Chelsea played fairly well in that league game. I think we closed down City pretty well. We stole the ball quite a bit from guys like Cancelo. In um, Kovacic robbed uh, Rodri of the ball a couple of times. I think Chelsea were playing fairly well. But it's the same old issues, right? Up front, we have like. You know, let me not, I don't know, I don't have the words to say it, but let's just say we don't have enough quality up front. Add to it, of course, uh, in the third, min- third minute, uh, Sterling got taken off holding his hamstring. In the 30th minute, 40th minute, uh, I don't recall which minute it was exactly. Pulisic came off uh, with a knee injury. What we are reading is that they both are going to be out for weeks. Uh, that said, I think Chelsea still finished the half pretty well despite those two sub changes. But I think where Chelsea are weakest is in that 15 minute period when the second half starts. Uh, that's when we consider against Forest. We have considered a lot of our goals in that uh, in that 15 minute interval. Uh, how do you read Graham Potter's uh, like how he's reacting to this sequence of results? And you know, we all thought that he's a tactician. Uh, Reasonably, even with all the injuries, we could have expected that probably, you know, there is some kind of evolution in the style, some kind of ruggedness, you know, some kind of structure coming in. Like, as a neutral observer, for one, I am not able to really understand, you know, what is happening behind the scenes. Yeah, I'll break it down into two parts. I think defensive organization and structure, I can see, right? We're still conceding goals, there are mistakes being made. Uh, that in large part has to do with the fact that there is no proper number six in the team. Uh, attacking wise, I think Potter is struggling to put the same guy on the pitch for two games in a row because he has confidence in almost none of them. Like the minute Pulisic starts, starts two games in a row, the third game is injured. Okay, fine. You know, a tactics manager comes in, you may not see results immediately, but what is it that you should be seeing? You should be seeing an evaluation of football. You should be seeing a certain pattern of play emerging, attacking in certain ways, defending in certain ways. But I think I don't see... I see the defensive part of it. Like I said, I don't see how we scrape together attacks. I know a lot of signings and potential signings. I know this talk of Jao Felix even today are sort of coming in to address that issue. I think he still needs uh, one or two players who will help us attack the way he wants to attack. Uh, like we have been missing a forward passer since Fabregas left. So, uh, what I have absolutely not liked about Potter is his responses to certain questions. Uh, in Brighton, when they lost the game, or when you know uh, Potter would be very vocal, he would come out and talk about where the game was won, where the game was lost. Right now, Chelsea looks like a kind of defeated man. He, you know, when. Uh, when uh, after these recent results, the only thing he says in pre- in the post match press conferences is we have to stick together, we have to work, we have to win. 
that's all he says i will give him more time for sure uh, like just look at who's playing and you uh, just you know just look at who plays the games and then you know why he's forced to chop and change so i think jury's out on potter speaking of who's going to be playing and who's playing already at chelsea ja felix does seem to be almost almost having signed for chelsea perhaps they onsten is just tweeted that the deal is done and it's been verbally agreed so it looks like there's at least some amount of quality coming that way though um it looks like another guy who's not really a number 9 who might end up playing there um, not sure and it's a 6 month deal only no no talk about a deal to purchase in the summer or anything of that sort so what do you make of that up and is that going to change anything this season uh if he comes i really really hope he's not put up front cuz i don't think he fits in that slot at all i mean i would rather have Sterling as bad as he is playing number nine than you know Joao Felix. Uh, I'm hoping uh, he comes in to address the gap that exists between Kovacic and the players up front. I think that's a huge gap for Chelsea. Uh, you know when I I'm trying to think of a parallel and just you know the way Bruno's signing lifted United, right? The fact that they had a proper forward passer coming in. Um, Uh, after Matic and uh, Fred and those guys, I think uh, it just like the number of opportunities should open up. So, so Ab, are you saying that you are not one of those stampered uh, bridge faithfuls who is calling for Tuchel to come back? Man, you know, I was thinking if I was in the ground yesterday, I would have probably chanted along with those guys. But that's you know that's not because I want Potter gone. It's just that you know I think Chelsea fans absolutely love and miss Tuchel. There's one thing to probably keep in mind is that we've and maybe talked about it with other people in the past, but this is his first big job, and we keep saying that as though I mean I I still think that it's a big risk to hand anybody a job directly at that level. We I said the same thing about Ole. I said the same thing about uh, Arteta as well. Ole didn't work out, but Arteta seems to be working out. uh Brendan Rodgers was the same as well i think he changed a lot when he came to liverpool he said all the 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 really boring typical manager press conference things when he was doing interviews um not the happy go lucky really uh, open person that he was when he was at uh, swansea so it looks like it could be a bit about that but one thing we have to say about arteta is clearly there is such a thing as giving the right person some time and he can turn it around so we were all quite doubtful about him um he looked too defensive in one season then looked like he lost all the balance in the in in the next and now it seems to be coming together so i i, I guess all it takes is for chelsea to make the next documentary and everything should be fine after that you know one support that is needed uh, and which generally you know frames a lot of the discussion is the media I don't know, uh, like some of the articles that uh, you know that we have seen or we have shared with each other over the last couple of days. It seems like you know the media is venting out a lot of spite. I, I, I you know I don't know if it has a lot to do with what Potter said about stupid questions being asked or you know, but we know that the media can be really petty and uh, you know they, they can really frame a lot of the public opinion. Uh, I hope that that doesn't count against Potter and I think. another thing that chelsea and potter need to work on as i was also mentioning is probably the body language and you know how they are taking adversity whether it's on the pitch or away from it 
if there's a real you know lack of energy there's a lack of any kind of belief i think at least they need to put that right and start you know it it, it needs to feel as if they are playing for the manager so i yeah, yeah i and i miss mentioning it uh, arge so thanks for bringing it up i think the body language is absolutely horrible uh i i think like when i see some of the guys play yesterday like jorginho yesterday was a perfect example in the fa cup game he's a good player right he's not world class in the sense that he's going to tackle win the ball he rotates well he recycles well and that's what he does well uh and i'm happy to have him just for those uh abilities but yesterday he made so many you know poor decisions on the ball poor decisions off the ball so he just you know and he's i'm just citing him as an example but across the pitch there are a bunch of guys who look like they have lost faith in their own abilities and uh, i think that's the first thing that needs to be addressed uh, this you're not going to be able to drill tactics into a bunch of players who have no confidence in themselves i wouldn't also mind seeing potter jumping around and shouting on the touchline like conte does or like pep Uh, that sort of thing bleeds onto the pitch we've seen that happen all right moving on to a team that doesn't have any problem with a new manager or a manager who's probably out of his depth pep guardiola and man city um they had a draw and a win uh, this week obviously uh, aside from the fa cup victory against chelsea as well they beat chelsea in the league and um, they had an unexpected draw against everton who obviously because we were talking about everton doing really poorly last week so it makes sense that they would take points off city but um, anything about man city's tactics during the week what what we can expect from them going forward finally we saw haland miss like will not score a goal in a game that that was pretty refreshing as well yeah i think city the, the the biggest problem that city are currently facing are city themselves because they they do they do tend to kind of overthink a lot during the games they are obviously used to playing a particular style of play under pep guardiola and they did not have like a haland kind of striker so he's still trying to tinker uh, his formation quite a bit uh i remember we were speaking about the jack grealish mares problem that uh or the so called jack grealish mares problem that pep guardiola has uh where he feels that mares and grealish provide a lot of calmness just outside the box which foden and haland are not able to provide so even though you think that oh you have foden and haland who are like going to tear the teams apart they are not getting those shots on target and that, that that's exactly what happened in the everton game as well they had only three shots on target if i'm not wrong they had a lot of shots off target so they are rushing into you know into the uh, opposition goal but they are not they are not used to doing that they are used to like passing the ball and almost like pass the ball into the net right uh, the everton game was perfect example of this and despite city getting the lead i think everton stuck to their uh, tactics and they were just you know overloading holland like anything the, it was particularly great to watch godfrey against holland there are a lot of videos uh, online uh, which shows how godfrey just got into holland's head and uh, you know that 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 basically meant that he wasn't at his prime really uh, and then even in the chelsea city game i think ab ab refer, um, <clears throat> uh, referred to it as well chelsea chelsea probably looked 
better, but it was probably because City made them look better in the first half. Uh, Chelsea had a few chances, and it was only until Mares and Grealish came on that uh, that City got their goal. Um, so yeah, I, I think I think City are probably still trying to figure out how they want to play with these new set of players that they have at their disposal. You spoke of overthinking, uh, Ashwin, and I think that's the main, you know, thing that came to my mind also when watching the tactics that he employed, especially in the first maybe 45-50 minutes against uh, Chelsea. Uh, for, like for one thing, I can't understand why he keeps playing Cancelo on the right. I I am not sure in from the World Cup if Portugal were also doing that, but Cancelo, uh, strangely, for a right footer, is extremely good as a wing back on the left side and doesn't really inspire on the right compared to what he's capable of doing, what we have seen him do from the left. Uh, that is something that I couldn't understand. And in the Everton game, if I remember correctly, uh, Guardiola brought on his changes really late. I think probably he waited till the 87th minute to really you know, bring on the main players. I can't understand when you have a stalemate and uh, Everton, uh, you know, they scored a really special goal, but that still happened in the 64th minute. There was enough time to kind of bring people in. I can understand what you are saying about you know wanting to control and how Grealish and Mares allow him to do that. But uh, sometimes bringing on different players is itself a new challenge for the defense, especially when it's someone like Foden. Uh, having said that, I think City, even with these four points, have shown you know why they are not going to give up this fight to Arsenal easily. They are in this you know for the long run. Haaland, uh, you talked about how Godfrey kind of got into his head, but the goal which Haaland scored, I think he completely dominated Godfrey on that move. Uh, the way that he held him off and how he worked that extra couple of yards for himself, it just shows that we should be thankful for every game that he goes goalless because the way that he looks for or hunts for moves in the box is just amazing. Yeah, I mean, it was quite a shock actually to see him not score a goal. Um, it was tough opposition. It was at the bridge, but but still, it's always it's always nice when Haaland goes a game without a goal. Um, but I I mentioned it last week in, in on the podcast that if Arsenal get four to six points out of the next two games, which were pretty challenging games, Brighton and Newcastle, it would move to sixty five thirty five for me, or maybe sixty forty for me. That was before Man City dropped points at Everton. Now, seeing everything that we've seen this week, uh, I mean, for me, I think it's it's coming home to Arsenal. I'm going to go out on a limb and do a Kevin Keegan. I would love it and all that stuff. But I think this is coming home to Arsenal right now. This is going to be Arsenal's league to lose. The game against Newcastle was... It was a it was a dominating performance as well from Arsenal. Yes, they didn't come up with a win. It was a nil-nil draw, but all the chances, all the big chances fell to them. Their keeper was forced into making a lot of saves, particularly at the end of, uh, end of the game as well. Uh, players like Sa- in, the, in, the, in the previous game in the week, uh, Saka and Inketia continued their really hot form. I think Arsenal are going from strength to strength. Everything's looking positive, like I've mentioned so many times before. Arsene Wenger is coming to the stadium now. I, I don't think um, anything is going to trip them up. I think the fact that they're... Well, City are also going to be playing a few tough games now and it, it could lead to Arsenal actually opening up a further lead. And if that happens, I think that's the end of the... It's going to go to 90-10 for me. Yeah, Bukayo Saka is someone I wanted to talk about. Uh, 
you know i was watching uh, the documentary i was uh, i watched a few episodes you know over the new year uh, break uh, of the you know of the all or nothing documentary series and you know initially it seems as if this guy is this really quiet kid who doesn't speak at all in the dressing room uh, you know what does he really should he show a bit more you know leadership being the player that he is even though he is young but you know then what i realized every time looking at him and how he plays and has continued to play this season especially is this guy is a leader on the pitch he doesn't he might not do any of the talking but he has real force uh, you know of desire and of personality all the things that you know we talk about with respect to all our different teams he uh, we have talked about this with respect to nunes as well this guy brings a lot of personality and desire on the pitch even though he may not speak uh, i am i am a real fan of you know saka if you ask me any player other than united to pick as a favorite player i i uh, like this this kid is really special uh, another guy who really impressed me in the newcastle game was alexander zinchenko he kind of you know reminded me of uh, a bit of michael carrick in the way that he was threading forward passes ground you know like ground passes into players like zaka and nikitia who was dropping in behind uh odegaard and the uh, uh, so it was just wonderful to see him it was not really you know open spaces that newcastle had provided newcastle were really really organized inside the midfield and in, in the defense but zinchenko kept finding those forward passes really impressed me from that you know drifting in from that left back role so all in all even though arsenal dropped points and city you know kind of got to within five points of them uh, i would still you know got back to within five points but i think uh, uh, like if any team came out of this week looking still looking impressive it's arsenal yeah i think i think this 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 season is kind of reminding me of the season where leicester won the title right because we are, we were refusing to acknowledge leicester as title favorites until probably the last few weeks of of the season and the only other title challenger that they had i think was arsenal or spurs i think yeah spurs bottled it in the end uh, but yeah i think this the season is giving me very similar vibes as far as the game is concerned i i felt that newcastle were really organized i think karen trippier and also also burn the two full backs were they uh, sorry the two defenders they uh, they had an absolutely fabulous game and you could see even towards the very end uh, you know the newcastle fans were cheering they really wanted that one point so it, you could feel you know how pumped up they were just by getting a point just which goes to show that arsenal everyone is considering arsenal a really good team now uh, an arsenal team from before would have probably buckled under the pressure and could have even lost at the very last minute but that did not that did not happen so four points from brighton and a very resurgent newcastle is really good in my opinion yeah newcastle you know what they have shown me is uh, as you said ashwin uh, one more thing is also how capable they have shown themselves of being able to play it in different ways we have seen them score a lot of goals and be very fluid win games that way against arsenal they were very you know very physical very aggressive very tight in the middle of the pitch not necessarily you know having a very high line uh, and they completely kind of uh, you know they tried their best and it almost came off in the sense that they did neutralize arsenal to a large extent so it's really i mean a threatening for other rivals to see that newcastle is so convincing playing in different ways arsenal uh, you know i think one 
place where they might i feel i still feel that they might slip up is in their inexperience or sometimes you know their carelessness in certain situations that hasn't really hurt them so far but against brighton after going three goals up i think they looked really vulnerable at the end and these things might be natural for an inexperienced team it's not really a detriment but definitely that's what for me it's still 50-50 raza i mean i am not you know really favoring arsenal at this point but we'll see i'm sold i'm i'm on the gunner track i think this season um but newcastle definitely didn't they came up they are in a bit of a slowdown they had two draws this week um they couldn't live up to the lofty standards of some other teams in the top 4 race uh manchester united were the one of only three teams this week who got two wins in in this double header six points coming out of this really challenging week they've actually i'm if you as good as arsenal are and as good as man city always are if you look at the league table after we started from the world cup manchester united like top of that table Uh, so there's a lot there's a lot going their way as well i'm pretty convinced that they're going to finish in the top 4 despite having arsenal and city coming up next um but rk was very quick to throw water on my lofty ambitions for manchester united so uh, rk you want to come and tell us why manchester united are doomed and are never going to finish in the top 4 look uh, i'm not saying that united will not finish in the top 4 i think uh, we have put ourselves in a good position to do that but definitely i'm not going to give any predictions on who's going to finish top 4 at least you know because we have city at old trafford left we have a lot of tough away games left arsenal is there we have to go away to newcastle to liverpool uh to to spurs as well so there are a lot of you know tough away games and i'm not i'm not you know i might be indulging in a lot of jinxing but i'm not going to do that to united for sure uh but but having said that you know uh, there are you know a lot of green shoots uh, so when we were talking of chelsea we were talking of you know you may not really look for results at, at this stage but you do look for you know what kind of signs you are getting so i think there are a lot of negative aspects where united still have to improve but they continue to show you know good progress in a lot of indicators uh there the xg that united have considered in over the last few games has been like in the range of 0.5 to 1 in most of the games despite conceding two or three chances big chances in every game which they have to work on but overall you know it doesn't really feel that united are uh, going to concede against those kind of opposition so that is a positive uh, the form the continuing form of casemiro and luke shaw especially playing as a center back is positive and of course rashford i think is right now the informed guy and the guy who the team uh, you know looks up to but you know ha- having said that uh, raza like we have seen uh, in, in even last season you know when arsenal had this this kind of a five game patch against really easy opposition we were all thinking of how it's a revival and arteta might be the real deal and stuff but yeah i would rather wait for a really tough sequence of results to go our way to you know agree with it's you. funny that you mentioned that so what we then need to look at is uh, united making a title run clear 9 points clear 8 points clear next season is that what you're saying rk you're making those comparisons to arsenal uh, very ambitious i must say ashwin what did you think of united's chances are you or as much on the fence as rk is no i'm certainly not as pessimistic as rk is but like uh, like I, i i do agree with the point that this fixture list is also very is also been a very very kind fixture list to us right uh, 
like with a worse manager we would have definitely dropped a few points here and there but i think the fact that uh, eric ten hag obviously gets more out of this team and uh, that that means that we that we got the nine points out of the three games that we that, that we have played um having said that i think like like rk mentioned there is definitely certain positive things to uh, look at the form of rashford casemiro with almost like man of the match performance in every all the games that he has played uh, but one thing that does bug me is that even in the bournemouth game one of our best players on the field was actually the goalkeeper so it does mean that we are still conceding a lot of chances that defense is still not settled uh, and especially when maguire and lindelof played together we could see that you know like the system kind of breaks there's a huge gap between the midfield and 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 the defense which obviously does not suit the style that denag wants us to play in uh, we have some you know tough games coming up right so like the game against city and arsenal away as well i think we are also due to play are we due to play well, of course we are due to play newcastle away as well right so like some of those teams are probably going to be much bigger a test for us than you know the relegation fodder that we have played yeah ashwin you you rightly brought up that bournemouth game that's an example of you know uh, being very serious this it's a, it's really an example of how we need to improve you know going forward because it seemed at times as if you know we are leading 2-0 and we are making it an end to end game uh, that had to do of course with you know maguire and lindelof positioning being so deep and that's why probably you know luke shaw is keeping maguire out of the team but we kind of saw that again against everton great start to the game great goal by anthony uh, you know a very good team move dominated the first you know 5 8 minutes and then suddenly uh, it became 1-1 with a uh, again with a man in form making uh, a slightly maybe you can call it usual error from day going back to some of the you know bad times but after that again it became a bit end to end and we couldn't really control the game as much as we wanted to before we stabilized so these are all you know against this kind of opposition who are like in the bottom five teams you want to show more control than that but uh, one one question for radha here like his favorite player seems to be very strongly linked uh, vote vegost what do you have to say on that yeah like i said i f- i read that article and i found it extremely distressing uh, of all the bloody clubs that i could have uh, looked at about vegost i i definitely wanted to see him in the premier league but unfortunately he's coming to the wrong club it looks like he's linked very strongly with united and that's quite inconvenient for me um big fan of the guy though he didn't have a great time at burnley um i didn't have as much to do at the world cup as well but still for me had the moment of the world cup um looking forward to seeing him again i just hope that somebody else pips them before united get the deal done a uh, lot is lot is being talked about rashford and rightly so casemiro too has really stepped up right from brazil and now even at manchester united he's also proving to be that force in set pieces that that he always was at real madrid as well but one guy that's really stood out for me has been bruno i think bruno has been constantly getting criticized by not criticized but questioned by united fans like urk and dsk uh, about how sometimes he looks very frantic and he keeps trying to do the extraordinary and keeps doing things too fast and not slowing it down i found him to be quite composed and 
taking a step back and just doing the simple things right he's not really shining as the superstar of the team and everything doesn't have to go through him all the time but he's also coming up with a lot of quality in in and he's been involved in a lot of the goals that they scored recently what do you make of his sudden but not sudden but a difference in how he's been playing for united lately no rada i have always you know been in bruno's court with respect to what he brings to the table on top of that he's he's really uh, shown himself as being a very natural i won't say natural but being a very capable captain uh, i i always had arguments with uh, you know dsk uh, who our listeners may not be used to anymore that he doesn't join the pod but he always used to doubt you know uh, the way that bruno plays in the very frantic uh, you know everything needs to go through him kind of thing and he kind of predicted that maybe he won't wouldn't be able to work on the ten hag but what you see bruno doing a lot he always steps into the vacuum right he sacrificing himself a bit and that has resulted in his stats going a bit down but you see his positioning on the pitch and he always tries to be in the position that other people are not so that he is able to create space uh he he has played minutes on the right wing as well uh he will drift over to the left he will make runs beyond the striker if he feels that you know marshall is dropping a bit deep so he's and he's really helped us be a very fluid team and uh, you know we have talked about him and ronaldo and i'm sure that that's also kind of liberated him now we've talked about newcastle and united the two uniteds who are probably favorites to finish up in the top 4 but there are a couple of teams um a little bit of a distance away uh, liverpool and spurs are on are in 6th and 5th respectively liverpool had a pretty bad week all all in all i think three games where they played absolutely terribly they came out with one win out of sheer luck like i mentioned in my talky moments uh, woutfest did us a favor there um but still three points important three points in a in a week where a lot of people drop points um so we're still there or thereabouts i think with the game in hand perhaps just two points behind spurs and um probably with newcastle as well probably four points behind them and that's a spot in the top 4 um so things are not looking good though virgil van dijk is also out uh it looks like we're going to have to make do make do with uh, matip and konate for the rest of the well for at least the next couple of months um obviously Gakpo is in, but he will take some time to settle in as well. It should offer some relief from having to play Oxlade Chamberlain on the left all the time. So that's a welcome um, announcement, but still no smell of that central midfielder anywhere. We suddenly linked with Matheus Nunes. I was quite surprised when Wolves signed him. Like I said, we were linked with him all through the summer, but then Wolves came out of nowhere and signed him. And now it seems like we've been linked with him again, which seems very confusing. But all in all, I think. not a great season i would go like i'm i'm like flabbergasted that liverpool still have a shot or anywhere near the top 4 given how poor they've been this season a very unnatural mistake from alisson uh, like it, uh, like do you kind of brush it off ratha or is it something deeper this is the one you're you're talking about the the fa cup one right so the, that's the weird thing about alisson he has this in him once a season and uh, we were actually i mean all my uh, liverpool groups uh, we all were like okay at least he's gotten it out of the way in the fa cup and and you no know, in fact when we were losing against brentford a friend of mine texted me saying we might as well get alisson's one mistake of the season out during this game when we're already losing and it ended up happening in the next game uh, so yeah not worried um, absolutely 
absolutely world class even like except for the wolves game where he did seem to be a little off with his passing not just the mistake but even otherwise he's been absolutely world class all through even the games that we've lost um so not not that worried but uh, i just hope that every time he does something like this he becomes a little bit more careful immediately after that so he was he was hoping for that all the way through the end of the season you you mentioned one one mistake didn't you have two Oh no, no no that's all all those keep keeping things and all I don't have any anything to say against Allison this was just a terrible pass right into somebody else's legs he's done that probably thrice or four times in his career with Liverpool so far uh, but yeah it's one aberration per season could he have saved the pre- the other one probably but um, i mean it was i think we were all panicking um, there was a lot of rubbish going on in the box even the Brentford game it was just pandemonium i we got so scared of the opposition taking corners it was comical to look at i couldn't believe that this is the same team that was dominating and went uh, pretty much all the way for four competitions last season it looks a shadow of that team i don't see it get i said said this before we broke for the world cup i don't see this getting better in a hurry it's just that can we hold on just enough maybe get another allison goal late in the season and kind of sneak in above newcastle that's the only hope but not optimistic at all for the season now so i wanted to ask you uh, radha like uh, i was pointing out today that fsg out is trending on uh, twitter i don't know if you saw anything like that but uh, and i guess these things trend a couple of times a season for each club but um, uh, like do you see and i know we saw the news a few months ago that fsg are looking to sell a part share or even the full share of the club so like do you see a scenario where money is splashed for a defensive player or a midfield player where the club where the fans say that there's been very little to no investment yeah so i i mean i haven't seen the tweets that uh, you're talking about though there is always there are two sets of fans right always um, on social media and i with my mute functions and my and the people i follow i i tend not to get a lot of the troll fans on my timeline um i can pretty much verbatim guess what the tweets are talking about so it would be fsg out and saying oh they're not spend they've not bought spent any money on midfielders and we have the likes of what jude bellingham and and maybe even nunes maybe even i am suddenly reading about moises caicedo in the last few weeks but and they're going to say that oh they don't spend any money but this is after we just signed gakpo for some 35 to 40 million pounds in the same window we spent a lot of money and we have sp- signed really good players in different positions it's just that we've seemed to have ignored the midfield completely and that's where perhaps their succession planning has failed um every other position the succession planning has been really good so ibu konate coming in for a potential long term van dyke replacement they did sign joe gomez on hoping that he could step up he has not uh, so they might be in the market for a central defender in in the summer uh, attack they've pretty much replaced the entire attack and with with really young and uh, really top class looking talent so nothing to talk about there we have probably the best second goal goalkeeper in the league it's just that central midfield position that we have not spent enough time or money or uh, attention on we did try to sign chuamani and we did try to sign somebody some mystery guy in the two days before the summer window ended don't know who that is but that's definitely been the gripe of every fsg out 
uh, guy on Twitter and the fact that now they've put the club up for sale and I think um, there's some smell of somebody from the Middle East investing in Spurs. I think some people are jumping the gun and just hoping that some Saudi takeover happens of the club. But yeah, I, do, I pay no heed to any of those kinds of people anyway. It would be nice if Liverpool were to be bought by Saudi owners. I think the rest of us on this part would enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, everybody except Klopp will uh, probably have a field day about it. Klopp, I'm sure Klopp is not going to last very long uh, if if one of those regimes that he's talked about so much uh, comes into power. But uh, yeah, I mean, I now I'm hearing that probably they're not looking for a change in ownership. Maybe they just want a strategic partner. I think it's not helped us at all that United threw their handkerchief in the ring just probably a, a couple of days after we did. Now there's two clubs up for sale and united obviously with their um, with their commercial revenue are uh, probably a, a more um, i would say there are more people wanting to throw their um, hat into that ring um, so probably that's not helped us um, and now i think they'll settle for just somebody to come in as a partner i don't know what is going to happen but i don't expect this to change in, in the next 12 to 18 months at least raza you seriously feel that united would be more viable with all the cash balances and cash reserves that we talked about in the previous spot. But but before you answer that, I think uh, Liverpool, this, the you know, uh, like the bigger question or that that has always been coming through is, you know, the lack of pressing which is there in midfield uh, and that because of that midfield, as you guys said, has really become the, you know, pressing problem, so to say. 51 big chances conceded by Liverpool, which is more than double of any other, you know, top four rival is what I was reading about. And, uh, probably in attack, some of the problems are easing to some extent compared to the defending part. Uh, Nunes, uh, I know we, we we you know we do a lot of banter about him, but he continues to show me that that he has some real you know a personality uh, and desire. Uh, he keeps making those runs, and he has people you know geniuses like Trent Alexander Arnold, who is at least rediscovering his attacking form, and a new signing in Gakpo. I I. I uh, think he was a bit rusty, maybe from not playing for quite a few weeks, I think. And it didn't really impress me too much. But Radha, what did you make of Gakpo? It was a very ordinary debut, I think, of uh, through no fault of his own. Uh, whatever he did, whenever he got the ball, was pretty um, neat and tidy. He seems to be a guy who can hold off somebody and do whatever he wants on the ball. It doesn't seem like if he if he decides that somebody, somebody a marker is not going to get to the ball, he has the size and the frame and the dribbling ability and the pace to kind of make that happen. Um, what unfortunately tends to happen he you know when you go play football on the beach or in some in some ground where you're an odd number and you find a random guy on the on the on the field and you ask them to come join you so that it's an even team it was a little bit like that i i feel like uh, everybody else was playing a game and he was just kind of there on the pitch and just getting the ball making a little bit of a dribble and passing it back to Robertson or he had a couple of moments of uh, potential with Robertson already which was great to see I mean he's probably had two or three training sessions with the team so he did look very much detached from the system and the way things were working and he kept coming back and playing the safe option which I'm sure as with time he'll he'll get better at and he'll take more risks uh, but yeah I didn't expect him to really uh, have a outstanding amazing debut because tactically he wouldn't be all there 
um, I, I would say Luis Diaz that way has been the outlier in a Klopp system. Nobody else has really come come into the team and fired from from day one. Rather, even played from day one. So, uh, but given the injuries, he will play regularly this season, and I think he'll get a lot better as uh, as time wears on. Uh, looks like a technically good player, and and I think he can offer us something quite different uh, coming down that left. All right, coming to the other team that. Um, uh, who has a chance to finish in the top four, but has been falling over themselves trying to mess up that chance. Uh, they had a pretty mixed week as well, Spurs, as they lost to Aston Villa quite dramatically and then smashed Palace 4-0, where suddenly everything was back to normal again and and Kane and Son were on, on the score sheet and everybody, every, everybody was happy again. Um, they're having a little bit of a Jekyll and Hyde season. Villa was now, I don't know, the 10,000th time perhaps in a row that they've conceded two goals to start off a game. Uh, it looks, uh, something seems to be going wrong there um, in a season where the top four is so open. I, I thought Spurs would be one of the guys to really worry about post-World Cup. Doesn't seem to have happened. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, this sequence or the couple of wins that they have had now in the FA Cup and one in the Premier League is totally down to Harry Kane. He had a quiet game and they lost that game 2-0. Then he really turned it on in the, uh, you know, in, in the second Premier League game. I think he was at involved in all the goals, scored a couple, and then again he scored the winner against uh, uh, you know against Portsmouth in the FA Cup. So it's it's become a bit of a complete hurricane team. If it, if you're able to keep him quiet, I think you know Spurs are quiet. Uh, the like, but one person who is not quiet at all is Antonio Conte, and he just continues to you know affirm to me why. You know, we should, as you know, United should never have gone for Conte, even if, you know, it's in a in a scenario where Spurs finish above United this season, I will not change that comment. I am, uh, like, there were a lot of, you know, journalists and experts online who were saying, who were kind of treating it as a blasphemy that United didn't sign Conte. I, I didn't go through all the comments that he made about Spurs in detail, but any of you guys, you know, went through that and, uh, like, and what do you think about all the you know the kind of rant that Conte did? I think I think with Antonio Conte, it's uh, it's it's we we have been here before, right? Like if things are not going his way, he will go on a tirade against the owners and like that. Well, not the team, but like the style of play and like anything but himself, right? Uh, where have we heard that before? Probably Jose, but like you know you know. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, one thing that I do want to give to Conte, though, is that the, the number of players that are out for Spurs, uh, so Dejan Kulisewski is out, Bentakur is out as well, and they both had really good, uh, I would say, cameo performances um, start of the season and even last season. Uh, aside from that, Richarlison still hasn't properly settled into the team. He had a great World Cup, uh, but he hasn't really, you know, Clicked for Spurs yet. He is out and he's supposed to be back, I think, end of January himself. So once I think uh, Conte gets his players back, we'll start seeing, um, you know, a bit more flair about Spurs. Having said all of that, they're just two points behind United. So it like the top four race is like really shaping up pretty well. So it's, it's, Spurs are not in a crisis. Spurs are not in a Chelsea kind of a position right now. Um, so, I think it's still wait and watch for them. On Spurs itself and specifically on Conte, I think it's gotten to the point where 
the fans when they hear him talking about the fact that oh their level is actually not so good maybe their level is like fifth or sixth only i think the fans have just started taking it in through one year and letting it out the other year i think they uh, this one I, he went on a similar rant a few months ago he went on a rant like this towards uh, the middle or the second half of last season and um and i think you know spurs still finished strongly and took that champions league spot so i don't know if his rants are going to have as much of an impact on the team and the team's performance or in a detrimental way at least uh but um i i do hope and you'll only hear you're going to hear me say this once i do hope they beat arsenal next week that'll be fun a closet spurs fan i called it i i told you guys um ab is on the spurs bandwagon um but another team that perhaps has a very strong connection with ab and uh is really surprising a lot of people fulham are equal on points with liverpool uh, in seventh place now and um they're just five points behind spurs uh so this was one of the seesaw teams that kept dropping in and out of the premier league but they've had two win like i said there were only three teams that had uh, two wins this week the one was obviously united the another was uh fulham and the last one was brentford who beat west ham and liverpool so a lot of um, a lot of the smaller teams uh, would you say uh, the championship teams who've come up in the last two or three years are are making the most of a lot of the typical premier league clubs having mixed seasons uh, brentford brighton fulham all above chelsea and all within hitting distance of liverpool and spurs um villas in and around there as well after a couple of good performances so um looking forward to see how that middle of the table and maybe even the top 4 race heats up but coming down to the the bottom of the table where things are absolutely tasty uh southampton was the only team in the bottom 6 who actually got a win but all they got for that effort was actually staying rock bottom of the premier league at the end of this week um wolves um had a draw against villa but they lost to united everton also with a loss and a draw Uh, things are not looking great at the bottom it's about who's which three are worse than the others at the moment yeah uh man i you mentioned everton so let me talk about this we spoke about at the beginning of the episode we spoke about everton being resilient against city just a few days later they play brighton and they get absolutely destroyed 4-0 and uh, i don't know if you guys all caught all, all of the four goals but the four goals that everton conceded were the four goals that you concede uh, if you want your manager to be sacked for like the very next day that's just how it was they for two of the goals they didn't even make an attempt to try and defend it that's how bad everton were um, it was a listless heartless performance they um, or was it 4-1 sorry anyway so they it was you know it was the most hapless like I don't know what I'm doing on the pitch kind of a performance from that back four from Everton. Um and I'm very very surprised that I haven't yet caught the news of Lampard sacking. I think one team that are on the up is uh, Wolves. Uh especially at least in the style of play I think they are showing some positive signs. uh they showed that against liverpool in the fa cup as well so uh, i think i as i said last week as well i don't expect them to stay in that position you know for much longer to come uh 
Adamar Traore, he is coming on as a sub and he's he's mostly doing what he has been doing. But I think in midfield, you know, uh, they are starting to show that chemistry again. You know uh, that they're you know Nunes and uh, you know Moutinho and Neves are having. So I think they are they have too much quality to you know stay there. Everton, I thought that they did show that resilience and spirit against United. uh they it it seemed like they want to get a result but probably you know teams which are rock bottom in league you generally see them putting up a fight for their own sake so so i don't think uh, you know uh, like when it comes to cup competitions they they do it maybe more uh, out of their personal passion and because it has no relation to the league form as well so uh, that that doesn't really show how much longer you know lampard is going to be there in the job uh but west ham i think that that has been the real surprise to see them you know so low uh, after so long uh, for, like for me i think it's to do with uh, moyes not being able to integrate all the you know silky position players that he signed he is basically trying to integrate players that i think he's not used to that much what do you guys think I think every time he gets, you know, really talented players, he struggles to get the best out of them or the put them in a system that gets the best out of them. Obviously, uh, everyone would remember the disastrous uh, time he had with Man United as well. And now that he has players like Skamaka and Paqueta, and you know, like even. Well, Bowen was was there from before, but like all these talented players, he's definitely not able able to get them clicking. Um, uh, Nottingham Forest, uh, we were all expecting them to go down and probably be at the position where Southampton are right now, uh, but they've got some. They've got a win. Uh, I think it was against Southampton, if I'm not wrong. Uh, but they also got that draw. uh just before that and uh, uh you know obviously lost to united but they did not have henderson playing in that in that game so it wasn't like they were a full strength team anyways so pleasantly surprised with nottingham forest uh, uh i think they they've got the mojo back with uh, their two forwards really really punching above their weight um so yeah it's a really really interesting relegation fight that we are seeing oh man i'm Ashwin, you've you've fallen for it, hook, line, and sinker. Um, I, I I told you I told you guys last week this is not a league or a season where you can you can make bold statements about what's happening at the bottom. I'm 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 calling it now. Next week, Nottingham Forest are probably going to be 19th, and we'll be talking about how they're probably going to go down. Uh, everything is so close down at the bottom. Literally, just three points between nineteenth and say fourteenth or fifteenth, wherever Nottingham is. So, uh, extremely exciting that way, but unpredictable too. I, I think the only thing, or uh, one of the few things going for Forest in that you know race to the bottom is that they seem to at least have figured out a way of you know playing uh, even against Chelsea in the second half or in other games. You can see that. okay they are trying to be you know compact and trying to counter uh, they have a couple of really fast forwards uh, uh, you know in brennan and avoni so you know that is helping them uh, as compared to you know the likes of maybe bournemouth or everton who are kind of you know without any shape or structure yeah i'm i'm actually looking forward to seeing what happens down there suddenly out of nowhere 
Leicester and Leeds are also in in with a shout of getting pulled into this. Uh, Leicester were one of the few teams that actually had two losses uh, this week. So, they're in a bit of trouble as well. And in no time, we'll be talking about how we always knew that Leicester was going to get relegated to this season. Uh, it's been that kind of season. Uh, uh, um, an apology. I think I mentioned that uh, Southampton had won one of their games this week but i think one of the perks of being a large successful podcast is you have people in your ear telling you that you made a mistake so uh, our producers have told us that that was actually in the fa cup so they beat palace in the fa cup and they lost both their games um, in the premier league um, all right then looking forward to next week it looks like we have a boring week coming up just a small matter of the manchester derby and the north london derby let's go to you manchester folks yet uh, rk what creative ways of jinxing and predicting a Man City win can you think of now? Look, Haaland has not scored for one game. I think that's, you know, similar to one year for Haaland. I'm sure that this drought is going to end against United for sure. And he's again going to score a hat-trick. If I remember, did he score a hat-trick against United at Etihad? Uh, I'm not able to completely remember whether it was three or four or two goals. But the only thing I'm hoping for is, you know, similar to what they did against Chelsea, they let us go after 4 nil. Just let us go and leave us at that. Arkan is jinxing. I think we'll definitely <clears throat> I think we'll definitely lose. But I'm secretly hoping for a draw here. Uh, this the, the uptick of form that we have had. I know it's against like the relegation threatened teams, but it's 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 like we we are in a team in form nonetheless. And also I spoke about how City have been frustrated by lesser ranked teams so i'm secretly hoping that you know the two of those forces uh, combine with each other and we are able to uh, get a draw uh, i think i think both manage it will be a great game tactically uh, i also feel that all, life has almost come a full circle because let's not remember let's not forget the um, the hammering that uh, we received at the hands of city uh, and that made Ten Hag, you know, like really change the way United train and really change the way United play. And then we made all those signings as well. So I think, yeah, it'll be an interesting game to watch, but don't expect much from United. Yeah, just on a serious note, I think, uh, uh, you know, there are a lot of lessons to take from that game, which I hope we take into this game in terms of our intensity and how we are, you know, defending the center of the pitch. Probably something like what Newcastle did against Arsenal is in order. Uh, I think we need to bring that kind of a, you know, game into this match. Uh, we will have Old Trafford with us, which is, uh, which can only be a positive. And one more thing I'm hoping for is, you know, that Varan and Martinez, uh, get match fit. Uh, Martinez has not really uh, come back into the team since he joined the squad. So, that will be very important, you know, that Varan and Martinez come back because we have talked about how Maguire and Lindelof, you know, continue to be uh, unconvincing. But this is a very, very important, uh, you know, weekend for the title race as well with the Manchester derby and the North London derby. Another game that's probably not as blockbuster, but Maybe as important in the scheme of things is Wolves versus West Ham, a potential uh, relegation thriller. Uh, both teams have squads that don't deserve to be in the position that they're in, so it should be a technically good game. Uh, Moyes might be under pressure if he if they actually lose this one. Um, so that should be an interesting one to watch out for as well. All right, I think we've wrapped up the Premier League. Then uh, let's let's look at what's happening across Europe. RK. 
did you notice anything from any of the other leagues yeah very interesting weekend uh, you know in this la liga and in seria uh, in la liga there was a quite an interesting match between atletico and barca where uh, ferran torres and uh, stefan savic i think uh, you know they got sent off for a brawl uh, that they had and uh barca suddenly you know they they are showing that kind of winning momentum we have talked about a lot about uh you know barcelona uh, in, in the previous spots and not all of them have been you know even close to being good stuff but you know barca are showing some kind of a consistency in getting results uh they have a very you know one of the things that goes under the radar with barca with all this controversies and with all the troubles is that they really have a great crop of youngsters coming through and it's not just you know pedro uh, sorry pedri and gavi there uh, there's a whole bunch of youngsters who are really impressing for them so barcelona getting a edge over real madrid who have dropped points this weekend uh, they, they, they lost 2 and to villarreal so you know the la liga race is going in slightly in a, in a direction that you know we didn't anticipate Seria guys i was surprised you know going through some of the recent results on the table juventus is up to second i i don't know how closely you guys have been following them but they have got eight consecutive seria wins guys from november onwards it's it's pretty you know it, it blew my mind when i read that so juventus are back in contention again i think I, if i'm not mistaken they are above milan uh, and only napoli are above them in the table for me the the result of the weekend was milan roma of course and uh, uh, i would probably not like it but <laughs> tammy abraham scoring a stoppage time header i think or like whatever it was but a goal nonetheless uh, i'm sure like uh, chelsea can do with some forwards at the moment but uh, yeah that i think uh, roma is still 6th uh, uh, which is a position jose mourinho deserves obviously but uh but yeah that was that was my uh, game of the week from seria you know ashwin is watching the highlights uh, the the roma uh, uh, you know milan highlights and it was so funny that roma uh, were getting dominated so badly that when uh, uh, you know milan finally got that second goal the commentator was you know all over the place he was like this game is done and dusted and you know Milan has sealed the three points. It was so funny because I knew, the, you know, when you watch highlights, all those kind of, uh, you know, commentary looks so funny. And then out of nowhere, Roma just came and you know got the points. Don't don't forget Ashwin. I think Chelsea have a buyback clause, and in the mood that Todd Bowley is in, just don't mention the name Tammy Abraham to him right now. We'll be talking about a signing next week. Paris and Germain have dropped points, so people are you know in a mood for some. graciousness i think all over the all over the leagues in europe here's looking forward to uh, mbappe and maybe messi having a little bit of a, a, a brawl maybe about emi martinez that will be fun for all of us all of us who don't give a shit about paris saint germain uh, all right then that wraps up uh, an action packed week uh, we'll be back next week again to talk about those derbies and wolves versus west ham and everything else and hopefully swag will be back and he can tell us uh, all about the treatment to match chelsea as well all right then good night have a great week bye bye